podcast. I am Michael, and I'm here tonight with a very special guest co-host, Nick, also known lovingly around here as Vocal Glitter, who has been um, MIA from the podcast for way too long, making his triumphant return. Uh, Nick, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Uh, Yeah, I've been busy. um, Second kid now, uh, so two boys just like you. Um, He's the youngest is nine months so that's he's been keeping us up teething and everything so yeah but i'm glad to be back i still make time to uh play games right now it's really just uh, friday nights with a couple guys i work with and we don't get anything into too heavy though so the the intention is to always come back at some point but (laughs) you know like when life doesn't get in the way i know scheduling on tuesdays for you is always the weekly uh wrangling of the cats it's uh so again not to talk ill of the other members but it seems like every week around monday i'm like is anyone coming over tomorrow like we all know that we're supposed to communicate if we are but it seems like i'm still having to hunt people down every week uh but we're gonna talk about i mean i can't talk it's life you know Uh, yeah yeah. absolutely life gets in the way absolutely yeah uh so tonight we're gonna talk a lot more actually we're gonna talk almost completely about board games um, I'm, I'm a big RPG or obviously the podcast, the RPG Academy, but, uh, I've gotten more and more into board games, particularly since the podcast, um, you know, so the shelf, which this is actually the RP shelf, but there's a lot of board games over there and there's a lot of board games over there. Um, so I've, I've found that I, I'm starting to enjoy them more, getting into them more. And sometimes it's just easier. It's easier to get a board game to the table than an RPG most of the time. Uh, and you're kind of our board game expert. Even though, again, you haven't been part of the show for a while, unfortunately, uh, you've kind of been our resource. So uh, for those who may not remember Vocal Glitter, as, as lovely as I do, uh, what was your first game, board game, like not RPGs, but like, do you remember having memories as a child? Was it Clue, Monopoly? And what, what was your first good game experience? It, it, it was probably, yeah, the standards like everyone else, Shoots and Ladders, Monopoly, Sorry, those sorts of things. I do remember playing one i think it was called battle masters maybe it was like a early version of a dudes on a map but it was this giant neoprene mat and i would always have to talk my father over over uh, coerce him over a couple days time to play it because it was involved and i don't think we ever played it correctly but i enjoyed the hell out of playing it um it was a bunch of giant pieces of plastic about this big with a bunch of like wolf riders on it and things like that so i i've think i've looked it up on ebay and it it's still there's still copies floating around but it was pretty terrible comparatively but (laughs) you know nostalgia is not supposed to work like that but yeah so um the way i describe board games to people now is ever you say something about playing board games and people are like oh you play monopoly or things like that and i kind of liken it to the whole explosion of like the craft beer or small local brewery thing it's yes there's the the big name things like Hasbro and um, companies of that nature. But there's a lot of these independently published games, uh, Kickstarter and uh, crowdfunding and things of that nature. Speaking of which Kickstarter coming up soon. Yeah, um, tomorrow. Have, ena- have enabled uh, indie developers and companies that wouldn't have normally have normal distribution methods to get themselves out there and um, get their games published. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before with RPGs, but Kickstarter has been a game changer for RPGs and board games. It's just it's it's good and bad. I think I think more good than bad, but they're you know just like anything else, there's always going to be outliers. People, whether intentionally or not, taking advantage of the system. There's you know there's horror stories of large Kickstarters that fund and then no one ever gets anything, never hear from the creator. And I want to give them benefit of the doubt. Maybe life just got in the way. They had the best of intentions, but still, it, it happens. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about our faculty meeting again. So this is tomorrow. Myself, you, some other members of the podcast are driving up to Michigan. We do a yearly, basically it's a, it's a gaming weekend for those of us that are in the podcast, as well as people who are in the network, which no longer exists, but we still like those people. Um, there's a, like all the redemption people are in Michigan. Um, so we're um we're all going up there there's a few of our vips from previous acaticons are going to join us and it's basically a pretty small like 20 people maybe in a small one room ballroom i guess in like this hotel and we just play games as much as possible for three days like there's a little bit of sleeping there's a little bit of eating but for the most part 
it's running or running games, that kind of thing. Um, so all of us are bringing some of our favorite games. So I'm going to ask you, Nick, what games are you bringing to the faculty retreat? Yeah, I'm, I'm him. I keep telling myself that I'm going to try to not bring a ton of stuff. And every time I look at going uh, to the storage area where I keep the games, because my wife, um, made me put them in there uh i keep bringing another one out and i'm like oh maybe just one more and i feel like i'm gonna have to maybe trim the fat a little bit but um what's on the dockets right now um something that i just picked up and haven't had a chance i played it solo the other day and read the rules and i'm pretty excited for it it's called architects of the west kingdom and it's a uh, worker placement game um what this company has done is kind of interesting they did a trilogy series for their first games. It was uh, the North Sea. And so I guess this is the second trilogy. They're setting in the West Kingdom. So I guess, assuming they're going to do South and East at some point. But the second game in this series is currently on Kickstarter right now. And it looks to be like an action selection game. And it's called Paladins of the West Kingdom. And what they did with the first series was they did all three games and then they did a expansion that tied all three together so that you could play all three and have like a cumulative winner as far as what I what I was reading but that's pretty um, interesting I th- it was kickstarted I liked the the way they have it I did not kickstart the first one but I'm kickstarting this second one to get the promos from this first one they don't do uh, stretch goals what they they bake everything in from the get-go at least with this second one that I've seen so it's like upgraded cards wooden components the spot uv on the box which is a big thing i don't know that it makes any difference but it seems to be something that every kickstarter throws in so i'm excited to um, bust this out it plays one to five i believe yes one to five and um not every worker place isn't everyone's cup of tea but this has a little bit more interaction than some of them i don't know if you're familiar i think you've played lords of Waterdeep, which is the D themed i played it placement. on the the app yeah, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I stopped playing because like I just, yeah, I believe yeah. with this, yeah, everyone has twenty five workers in this, and there's different areas that you can allot to. And what's kind of interesting, the mechanic here is that uh, for every worker at a space that you put another one down, it's cumulative. So like the first worker, you get one wood; second one, you get two; and then if you put three down, you get three. And what people can do, if you have somebody getting greedy or uh, you think they're getting too much, you can go to the town center and get a mob of townspeople together and get arrest them. <laughs> and you bring them to your, your board. And from your board, they can't place those workers anymore. But then the people person that has those other people's workers on their board, they can sell them off for a gold piece to the a silver piece to the jail. So then from the, the jail, you can rescue your guys back, but there's this kind of like self-policing sort of thing. So you can kind of keep people from getting ahead. And there's a couple multiple ways to victory. It's, it seems pretty interesting though. The, the theme's pretty interesting. So right. I'm excited to um, play that one a little bit more. So I wanted to say hello to short man, Ian four, 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 who's jumped into the chat with us. He's one of our patrons and uh, hangs out with us a lot. Uh, comes to a catacon, so uh, nice to have you here with us. Uh, for anyone who is listening, because it looks like we have a couple more people maybe haven't uh, said hello yet. Uh, do you have any questions? Uh, Nick knows a lot about board games. Uh, I will pretend like I do and try to answer questions as well. But if you have any games or any topics you want us to kind of touch on, feel free to put them in the chat. We'll do our best. Um, so as for me, one of the games that I am interested in bringing um, is the Conan game by Monolith. And um, I have a, I have a weird relationship with this game. Um, I've played it a couple times. It seems fun, but the biggest reason why I want to play it is because I am anxiously awaiting the new game that Monolith produced, which is Batman: uh, oh, Batman yeah, Gotham Batman City game. Chronicles, which is, is, from what I understand, could literally be in a truck right now on its way to my house. I was really hoping it would show up before the retreat, but it's not going to happen. Uh, which is it uses the same mechanics as the Conan game. It's just updated and revised and, and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of wanting to play uh, this game a bunch to to really get good at the rules so that I can jump into Batman right away because I am so excited about that game. So it's it's a a mini tactical game which I'm generally against. 
Uh, yeah. But I really like this version. Uh, the way the system works is it's um, asymmetrical, one versus four. Excuse me. Okay, so one versus all. So yeah. Yeah. So, so so one person is the overlord, and they have their overlord tablet, and it has a bunch of cards, little tiles, and the tiles correspond to units on the board. In some cases, it could be like one big, you know, monster top creature, or it could be three henchman top creatures or people, whatever. Um, and then each card, it's, it's what's called the river. So it's laid out in a line. The, the one on the far left only costs one to activate. The far right goes up to like eight. But as you activate them, you move them down. So you, you know, you pick it up out of the two spot, drop it into eight, and then you slide them back together. So over time, they're all going to cycle to get cheaper. You have you have a limited amount of resources you can spend to activate your units. Uh, you basically try to kill the heroes and each each mission has its own objective. Sometimes it's just to live. Sometimes it's to get from point A to point B. Sometimes it's to get like rescue someone. So you gotta get to point A, rescue them, and get them back to point B. Um, whatever the case may be. But it's um, I don't know. I really I don't know. It it just struck me in a way that like games like Descent, which I'm on the record. <laughs> I was just gonna bring that up. 80, I was gonna say, Michael, this sounds awfully. It does sound a lot like uh, Descent, but for some reason. I like this version. I don't know. Maybe I should try to send it again, but I swore I never would. Uh, but I do still like the game. And then in, in addition, I just very recently started painting minis, which is something I've never done because I never yeah. played with minis hardly anyways, and I have no artistic talent whatsoever. Um, so I can remember, like, one of the first games we ever played was Hero Quest, and I still have the little figures from that game. Ah, uh, yes. And I tried to paint those when I was, like, 12. I mean, they are awful it literally if i just dunked them in paint and threw them against the wall to dry they would look better than they look um so but i decided i want to try it so i bought it like the armor uh, army painter starter thing and i've been messing around and they're not great by any stretch of imagination but they look okay especially from the table like when you're looking at them three feet away they're gonna look great uh but the only reason i'm painting them is because I want to get practice for the Batman ones because I really want those to be painted. Uh, so Conan is like my uh, step up to what I'm actually trying to get to, which is this Batman. Game. It's your practice child. Exactly. I mean, if those don't work out great, I'm not going to be too upset. Yeah. Because honestly, once Batman gets here, I probably will never play that one again because I'm going to play the Batman one instead. Yeah. The Conan one, if i correct, I believe that one was Kickstarter. I have some thoughts about minis games and kickstarter in general and it kind of goes back to i didn't get burned i've been pretty lucky all my kickstarters have been fulfilled um the issue with me is some of them just don't turn out the way that you expect them to my one of my not i want to say biggest regret but one that i spent a lot of money on because i was kind of at the base level and then my friend was like oh you gotta go in for the the higher tier and i spent 150 dollars i believe not including shipping for the ninja turtles board game and i've played it like once or twice and it's a one versus many and i have this weird sort of relationship with the one versus many it's in that invariably with the way it works with me is the person that knows the game or owns it ends up playing the the bad guy and it just feels like you end up beating up on your friends like if you win it's like oh you know hey i won but it seems like everyone had a shit time because you know i won but nobody really enjoyed it and it just feels like you're you're being mean and it's like that's the whole point of it and i'm like yeah i didn't i don't really get and it's like they win i'm like oh yeah great thanks yeah they they beat they beat me up like good job guys i I much prefer cooperative games like by far nine out of ten times i play a game i would prefer to be cooperative uh yeah. partly for that reason is i don't like there to be a winner and loser when i'm playing the games uh but for whatever reason th- this game has attached to me and, and sparked an interest that is surprising to me uh in fact but uh you know hey and i and i don't want to hear you you spent 150 dollars what was you you don't Ugh. even want to know what i dropped <laughs> in this batman game it is not good I saw the Batman game on Kickstarter and I know it was getting some buzz on both sides of the fence about uh, the, all the different pledges and add-ons and stuff. Again, I don't, I'm not part of game development, but it always, it seems a little weird that they come out with the base game and then it's like, Oh, well there's like three add-on expansions. And it's like, I understand at some point there's X amount of content in the box, but it's like, 
like at what point do they break it down and it becomes this add-on piece versus in the base or it, I don't know. Some of it just seems exploitive. I, it really gets in on that that fear FOMO or fear of missing out. Like, oh, you're if you don't back it now, it's not going to be available. Or there's these Kickstarter exclusives, and it really just it's kind of manipulative in a way. I know it's not illegal per se, but it, it really does kind of prey I mean, it, on people's like addictive nature, right. fear it's, it's of missing like out. Loot boxes or gambling. It, they they. Yeah. they bring you in and again whether it's intentional or exploitive it, it works people are going to keep doing it until the, yeah. the business goes away um but uh generally i'm very kind of laissez-faire about kick kickstarters a lot of times i'll back them and i'll kind of forget about them like i don't i don't worry too much and then when they show up it's like cool but the batman one i have been checking daily sometimes more than once a day to see if a new update is hit because I don't even want to wait for the time it would take for the email to show up. And then I have an RPG one that is really overdue, like way overdue. Supposedly they, it should be here any day as well, but we keep asking for updates and then they're like, Oh, the update's coming, but it hasn't. So, um, that's a little frustrating. Worst Kickstarter. I was involved in, I backed one that I thought my wife would like, it was, I don't know if you're familiar with Hank and, green and his brother i can't remember they do something called vlog brothers and they did a did a game called wizard school and i was like, okay you know it's kind of like harry potter-esque and it's like these guys that she likes and it had a really really turbulent uh time getting out they had issue delay after delay i think they bit off more they can chew with this it was something they hadn't really done before they were really involved in media media and doing youtube videos and the one guy's a writer he wrote fault my stars fault in the stars i don't know you're probably familiar with that one yeah yeah, i know of it yeah but it came out and it was like the rule book was crap uh the game was just not good and i had pledged for an expansion that was supposed to come with it 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 was delayed another i think almost two years and at that point i was like i just asked they were doing refunds because they realized they kind of screwed the pooch and i will say uh, they were not as communicative as people would have liked them to be but they did offer the refunds i did get my 20 dollar refund for the expansion and he did do a sort of a retrospective afterward with like what they did wrong what they should have done different and while i it's like i appreciate that that they're acknowledging that it's like there wasn't a whole lot of damage control while it was going on, which yeah. and that kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth. Right. Well, let's get away from the horror stories. We're, we're yes. going to have a positive experience. So what is another yeah, game yeah. you're excited to bring tomorrow for the well, Speaking of successful Kickstarters, I've back to this behemoth. <clears throat> oh my God. Oh my God. Um, yes. I don't know if you're familiar with this, this game ended up it's uh the number one ranked game on uh, Board Game Geek, and it's been for a little while now. It's a dungeon crawler called Gloomhaven. It's a legacy style game. You ha- there are six starting classes, and you pick one of them. It, it's not it's not Descent, Michael. I know. <laughs> I, see <that. laughs> I see that it's more of a uh, almost like a Euro wrapped in a minis game. There are minis in it. Um, but the legacy style comes in, you you do a scenario and they're linked together depending on how you beat one scenario or you do one, it might lock off another one. There's 90 scenarios in the base box. There's a fan-made expansion coming out that the uh, guy, Isaac Childress, has sort of helped with. He did a second Kickstarter for the reprinting and I picked up some better quality components in that, which I haven't even really messed with. The issue I have with it, and this is not indicative of the quality of the game and whatsoever it's just keeping the same group of people as like in playing an rpg um it, the action itself is really c- kind of like a puzzle it's got this kind of timed element to it because you've got a deck say you start off you pick your skill cards and on every card you have a movement ability and like an attack ability you have a top and a bottom and every turn you're taking you take lay down two cards and you're taking the top a- action of one and the bottom of the other and that gives you your initiative on that card too. So you might want to go later in the round. It's, it's co-op you're working together, but you, it's supposed to be like, you're in the heat of battle. Like you can't tell like, Oh, I'm going to go first. You go second, this sort of thing. It's you're picking these two cards and you got to kind of figure like what you can 
kind of say what you're going to do, but you can't really just math it out. But, and you can rest to get cards back, but you only get one card back out of the two. So this, there's this like, you're going, if you don't keep moving and pushing, you can't just stand at a door and let monsters kind of like filter through and pick them off one by one. You've got to keep pushing. And then the, the character classes are pretty unique. The, um, there's, there's the healer archetype a little bit, but it really doesn't rely on that whole sort of like MMO, Holy Trinity of the tank damage dealer uh, healer as much as some other games. And what's interesting is you'll make these permanent decisions. Like um, you might have a, getting a global achievement after having run a mission and then it unlocks uh, new items in the town shop or you have, you level up and you can add new skills to your character that you can buy, or you can buy permanent upgrades to um, it's, there's no dice in the game. Everything's based off a of deck. So there's a modifier deck that gives you plus or misses or minuses on your turn. And so you can take the crap cards out of that and make yourself more efficient that way. And then there's also, I believe something around like 10 character classes to unlock. So eventually you have your own personal like goal that your character is working towards. And once they hit that goal, they go into retirement and you can then unlock another character class or start one of the other six starting ones. And it's, it's kind of, it's got this kind of cool unlocking pieces to it. I've only played through about seven or eight scenarios with the same group and it's if you start playing again you start over with the starting scenarios but I haven't unlocked any of the uh, character classes but there's quite a few to look forward to so. So the, the thing about those games it's it's very much like how I feel about role playing games these days I'm much more likely to get a one shot together yeah. than I am start a whole campaign. It's just because the campaigns are just destined to fall apart which is one reason mm-hmm. why we don't have any actual play campaigns on the show right now. We can't keep a campaign going. Yeah. Um, so while that game sounds cool, and, and I love the fact that they built in so much content for most people, they're never going to see 80% no. of that. No, no. And honestly, it was a steal. Like, what would you think this would retail for? I don't, I mean, just like, I know you haven't seen what's in there, but like, well, just based on my recent experience, I would say 200 bucks. Yeah. I, it was uh, $70, I believe in the original Kickstarter. So, I mean, I don't think he made a loss on it, but I don't think he was making money either. It was, I think when it was kickstarted again, I think it was closer to a hundred and it retails for around one thirty, which I still think is a steal for the amount in there. But it, then again, if you're going to sit here and, math out how many people are playing it versus how many plays in this sure. oh yeah i buy more games than i get around to playing which is just like with video games or anything else it's i find that whole irony of it's like when you're a kid you have un, you don't have the funds but you have the time and then when you're an adult you have the the time or you have the money but not the time right. and it's like you know if only so sort of thing so so uh sh- short man ian was asking is there a Roll 20 equivalent for board games, like someplace where you can get online and play online with your friends. I know there's a tabletop dot simulator. Yes, yeah, there's tabletop simulator and tabletopia, I believe is another sort of equivalent. And, and I've never got... used either of them. So I have no idea how they function. I just, I've heard of them. They're more like the ones that I've seen that aren't just a single game on an app are more like sandbox style where it's sort of like, yeah, game game board arena. Yeah, and Vassal also. Yeah, Shadzar said those all. I have not. I've used Vassal a few times. That one's not as like graphically intense as some of the other ones. But you've a lot of times when you see those sort of like uh, things that allow you to play multiple games. They got it. Sometimes there's getting the rights for them to the games to put the asset, art assets in there. And then a lot of times you, you've really got to know the rules because it's not going to stop you from doing things. Like I know in tabletop simulator, I think there's, you can literally like flip the table, like and <laughs> mess with pieces and stuff like that. You, I think you can turn that off. I'm not overly familiar with it, but yeah. So. All right. And uh, Shadzo says on roll 20, you can play board games, but you have to add the art and roll the dice. You have to, I guess, meet it halfway um so one of the things that i am bringing actually well a couple one i'm bringing hanabi of course anyone who's ever <laughs> listened knows that hanabi is my favorite game i absolutely love it it is the best game ever invented period the end uh, but there's a new game that i recently played rocky who's who's now is kind of our, mind 
Well, it's the mind, yes, which yes. we did play it on our show. So if anybody, we have at least one YouTube video floating around where we played it. Uh, it is, a, it's again, much like Hanabi, it's super simple to the point where it's almost like someone got paid to make this game, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. you know, good job. Uh, so essentially, there's, there's 100 cards. They go from 1 to 100, just numerical. And you deal out the cards at level one. Everyone gets one card at level five. Everyone gets five cards, so on and so forth. Your ultimate goal is to get to the highest level. What that is is based on how many players. So it's different for two players than it is for six players or whatever. Um, and, and all you do is try to lay the cards down in the correct numerical order. So one, then two, then three, and so forth and so forth. But you're not allowed to talk about what your cards are. And it's the, 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 you know, the theme of the game or whatever is that it's about you're supposed to read people's minds and you get connected in this mind meld. So I know you have an 18, so I'm going to wait until you play your 18 before I play my 19. Uh, but it doesn't always go that way. And and I find myself not necessarily like cheating, but I talk a lot more than you're supposed to. And I, and I, it, I think to me that's the fun part is I'm like, I don't know. I kind of think... Kind of think somebody else might want to play, you know, which you're not supposed to do, but but it's fun to play it that way. Uh, and I, I don't know, we we played a couple of hands, and I find it to be very fun and engaging and very hard. Uh, so when you do it well, like, there's a really good sense of accomplishment when you play your 18 and someone else drops their 19 right on top of it. It's like, oh, that was great. It's almost like we were connected in some way. Uh, yeah. So I've only played it with three people most. Not counting the one time I played it with my whole family, which are two kids that did not get the game very well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to playing like a full four or five, whatever players are, uh, game. Because again, I like the cooperative games, anyways. All right. Uh, Shadzar, I think you, uh, if you're talking about Hanabi, yes, that's the one where you don't know where your cards are. The mind, you do know what your cards are. I've played it a few times and you'll be happy to know I played it and I was like, oh, this is right up, my this seems like a game that'd be right up Michael's alley. Like, yeah. immediately thought i was like oh he would i think he should play this and it's i've seen it at um local game shop i frequent i think it's only like 12 bucks or something yeah, like that I, which I, is about right because it's a real real standard sort of it's game it's literally just decks one and then it has this really weird art that makes no sense it's like ninja bunny yeah, bunnies yeah but uh you get extra lives so you you basically if you mess up you're not out of the game right away or the game isn't over and then there's also one mechanic where you can if all the players agree, everyone gets to put down their lowest card. Yeah. And one, it gets a card out of your hand. And two, it lets everybody know, like, oh, gosh, Michael's lowest card was a 90. Clearly, the other three cards he has has to be above that. So it, it kind of helps you figure out what you should do and kind of makes it easier to finish that round. Uh, but, yeah, but Hanabi, you hold the cards face out. So other people see what you have and you don't. But the mind, you do see your cards. But again, I can't tell you that I have a three and you have a seven. Yeah. The game starts. Hopefully I get my three down before you play your seven. And assuming someone else doesn't have the one and I beat them by getting the three down too fast. And then we you lose or, you know, uh, you make a misplay. All yeah. right. So what else is on your stack of games to take to um, retreat? I think this one might interest you. It's called Aeon's End. It's a deck builder. Oh, I'm but listening. You, but you do not shuffle your deck. Ooh. Um, they build as it's supposed to emulate like you're a, fighting a video game boss. So it's cooperative. Uh, you, I believe it, in the base game, it's you and up to, yeah, you can play it solo and up to, up to four players out of, out of this box. They've got numerous expansions. They've got a standalone expansion. They just, they've done a legacy version and uh the other expansions and things like that but the base set comes with a couple different care um bad guys to fight and a couple the it's asymmetrical in that the breach mages i think is what they deem they label it as have different abilities and you start off with so it's a little bit more puzzly it gives you some choices between rounds you have you have a starting hand and it's you know what it is like it tells you what cards you get in your starting deck and then you buy from the marketplace. It's like a market, not a buy row, like think DC, but more along the lines of dominion where they're all, all the cards are out there to buy and you buy them and you, when you buy a card, it immediately goes into your discard. But then when the cards you play, you get to put the order of them into your discard. So there's a little bit of this, okay, how do I order these things? 
because you get to you have a, a, a pretty good amount of control of how they're going into your discard and then when you flip them over from your discard to your draw you don't shuffle them so there's a there part of it is sort of the resource of managing uh, the cards that and how they're going into your discard so that you can get these combos on later turns because you have to prep spells in your breaches that you have and you uh, spend money to open you'll start off with one breach or two it's variable depending on what mage you're playing but you open up to four and depending certain breach slots give you maybe higher damage or things that make the spells more powerful and you have to prep the spell in that area and then it goes off the start of your next turn and you get to choose the order in which people take the turn. So, uh, or I'm sorry, it, it, it fl you flip and there's a deck of cards that's like one through four. And so it's like, okay, I'm player one, Zach's player two, Michael's player three. And so your card comes up, but then there's also a wild card. So it's like, okay, well, who's, gonna, who's got the most prep spells or what do we need to do? We need to do healing this turn. So there's, there's a little bit of preparation to it, just like with any other co-op. You can you can have the alpha player sort of thing going on, but I like to sort of assume that, not that there's hidden knowledge, but it's like, okay, yeah, we can math this out and talk this out, but at the end of the day, like, we got to let this person take their turn, too. Like, we can't force them, but I, I, I like the artwork. I like the, I, I think the deck building is different enough to warrant a spot in my collection and i i think it it does set out it accomplishes what it sets out to do and it, it does kind of feel like you're uh fighting this big bad sort of thing so very cool yeah, yeah deck building is one of my favorite types of games um obviously marvel legendary which i get isn't a very complex mechanical system and a lot of people think it's not that great i love it absolutely love it but it's probably because it's superheroes i love superheroes and i have literally every single card um i even i even bought like the store kits that they get when they hold tournaments so i have like certain foil cards and i have special mats for it it's crazy i love that game uh, i'm not bringing all of it because it's it's too much i have three of those big five line baseball card holder things so it's not really portable but they came out with a studio 10 version last year or the year before to, to celebrate the 10 years of the Marvel movies. So it's basically like the MCU version. And rather than art, it has images from the movie. So you have Chris Evans as Captain America and Scarlett, you know, Scarlett Johansson as, as Black Widow. Um, so it, it doesn't have obviously the full range of cards, but it's, it's enough to, you know, we're in a pinch. Uh, but Dragonfire is probably one of my top games right now. Very similar somewhat to like Gloomhaven, where it comes with like a campaign mode where you're supposed to play the same characters and level them up. But you never seem to get that far. So it seems like every time you play, you're kind of starting over. I know, I think Brad, I think Brad's just a tad salty with me because we got that game, really liked it. So we started playing it here at the house, like on our Tuesday night games. We got not super far, but we got kind of far into it because we played it three or four or five nights in a row when we played. And then a couple of our YouTube videos of that, playing got much many more hits than we normally get which like we're a tiny show we get 400 views on a video i'm doing backflips and some of those we're getting five and six seven hundred views i was like well this dragonfire thing is good for us so let's start over and play all the way through the campaign and we'll record ourselves <laughs> playing each time and every milk time Brad's shirt. like, the milk that cow dry, not a horse, you'll milk a horse. Oh, I was like, I just, every time Brad's like, I wish we could play with our other characters. So, so we all started, cause I'm a, want to play the wizard, but in the, when we started over, we all changed. So none of us were playing the class that we particularly want to. Uh, and then of course, then we start having problems. We don't play all the time. So now it's been like six months in between the last time we played and the next time. So we're not even doing the videos correctly and you no, know, we're jump skipping around. Uh, but we're basically repeating the same ones we've already played before. But I'm taking it tomorrow because um, one of uh, one of the people up there in Michigan, Kaylee, has not played it. And she's actually the one that got me into the game because she ran Shadowrun version before, which this is Dragonfire yeah, based that was off the original, of that. Yeah, we'll say, the original system, I think, it's that Dragonfire is based yeah, off of. Right? I think th there's a name for the system, I can't remember. Crossfire, maybe? Yeah, I think it is Crossfire. Okay. Um, so the Shadowrun version, I don't like Shadowrun at all, at all, but I loved that game. And so like when I found out just a few months later, there's a D and D version, I was all in on it. Uh, but we're probably going to start over again. We're all going to pick new first level characters. We're going to play the first couple <laughs> of sessions again. Um, but it's a, it's a really fun game. It's a deck builder. 
it's basically D&D the card game where Gloomhaven sounds a lot like D&D the dungeon crawl yeah. you know, minis game. This is D&D the card game. You get a little character card based off of your race and class combo. They're already picked for you. You have starting hit points, starting uh, gold, and then you you know, you get crappy cards to start with. You try to buy new cards. All the monsters you fight are D&D monsters art straight from the, the D&D manuals. Uh, there's a campaign play, which is a little story. And I think it's in the Nintir Vale, which is like from the 4E edition. That's where you started. Uh, so if you like D&D and you like deck builders, it is, is a no-brainer to get this game. So it, while I would like to keep going in the campaign, I'm also happy to start over and, and show more people how to play the game because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's the pitfall I seem to fall into. You, you get the game and you have the base version, then it's like, okay, this is the more like introductory scenario. You end up, you play with different people, you end up keep playing that one over and over again. Then I'm like, man, I had all these games where I haven't even gotten to play the like full version or the advanced rules or the variant. It's like, and then the next thing I know, I've bought three more games. So it's like, well, I guess I'll get around to yep. that eventually. So. Yeah, there's. I mean, again, absolutely. Now that I've started buying board games and then Kickstarter, again, I love Dragonfire, but we still don't play it as much as I would like. And when I get Batman, I'm probably going to play that, which means I probably won't play Dragonfire much anymore. Yeah. And by the time I'm getting tired of Batman, rather than going back to Dragonfire, I'm going to play something else that came out, uh, because we live in a consumer-driven uh, world, yeah. and that's just the way it works. And I'm stupid, but then I'm going to die someday. So who cares? <laughs> then your kids can have all exactly. your cardboard because I and I I have been playing games with the kids and not to get too sappy I, I'm at that age right now where they love to play games with dad yeah. it is so sweet in in even the games that like we we tried to play the mind and it wasn't like they were terrible but but they didn't it wasn't get clicking it. it wasn't clicking but yeah. they um it's just so much fun to play with my kids and I, I'm I'm looking forward to them getting just a little older so that we can play like Dragonfire in this new Batman game. And yeah. um, right now we play Batman Love Letter, which they both love and they're, and they're good at it. Like they, they know how that game works. They figured it out. So it's yeah. not like I win every time. Like I lose most of the time, <laughs> uh, but they love playing that game. Um, we've been playing Formula D, which is another mm -hmm. game that I'm taking up tomorrow. It's the race car game. Um, we play it with like even more pared down rules than the actual rules. Cause the, the game has two modes. It has easy and, and like a harder mode we play on easy. And then even it's even easier than that, but they both really like playing the game. It's a lot of fun. I even got the wife to play it a couple of times and she doesn't play very many games. Um, we, they like to play the forbidden Island, uh, yeah, which I, to me yeah, is I like that one. starter pandemic. And my mm -hmm. wife loves pandemic. That's her favorite game that we play. So the boys get like maybe two years older We'll probably be playing Pandemic Legacy, which actually sounds really cool now that I think about it. All right, so what else yeah. is on your list for the Factory Retreat? Anything else? Yeah, just to say, that's sort of my goal, too, is, like, I've got the two kids, and I've got a little bit longer to go than you, but since they're three and nine months, three years old and nine months, but eventually it's like I can coerce them into playing things because right now i'm stuck playing sneaky snacky squirrel and uh hi-ho cherry which are basically the exact same game so yeah I, anyway I, I went i went through that as well i will say that the first game that i got for the boys that was actually kind of fun um i can't remember it's it's like an it's an animal stacking game I think maybe. oh yes it, yeah i know it's by haba haba yes it's, it's like animal upon animal or something yes like that. Uh, and yeah. and that was actually kind of fun to play they picked up on that right away uh, yeah. So my kids right now are nine, seven, about to be eight, and we've played D and D a couple of times. They they really like No Thank You Evil. Um, we played Soro. They love play Soro. Batman Love Letter, King of Tokyo, Formula D. So there's some games that we can play now. I'd, I'd say Jakey was like six, almost seven when we first started playing anywhere near type of these games. So you've got a little ways to go. But it's not maybe yeah. as far as you think either yeah um i've got about three or four more i can all right can well get let's through uh, real quick like go through this do, up a little bit do two at a time but maybe a little yeah. less each time yeah so um the next big one i just bought this i traded in some magic cards because i have an on again off again relationship with magic um but i picked it's up like when you're an alcoholic oh, yes. you're, you're never not an alcoholic you're just recovering yeah. yes. you're a recovering magic player yeah I picked up Mansions of Madness, which I sort of uh, threw out there because I know Michael Franke and um, is a big 
Cthulhu, Arkham Horror, Files, Universe fan, and uh, I, I remembered uh, Tom is also. And this is the second edition. The first edition didn't come out like too terribly long ago. That's a fantasy flight thing is redoing the editions and then selling it to you again. But the the big thing about this one is it was a one versus many, like somebody played the Keeper, which was the bad guys. But this version has a fully integrated app. You have to have the app on a... Uh, ipad or a phone or something of that nature to play and you plug in which investigators you're playing and the mission and then it sort of runs the game for you like you move it is similar to some of the other arkham stuff where you're moving around and then just doing something but there's there's a little bit more to it than that like you'll go and investigate something and you actually solve puzzles on the the app screen like there's a number puzzle or lock puzzles and things of that nature and it'll spawn monsters so if you own more expansions you got a wider variety of tiles and monsters and every time even if you're playing the same scenario it'll randomly generate the rooms and the things that are in the rooms and one thing that happens in the i've only played it the one time but uh we didn't move fast enough and find the key to the attic and the portal had already opened and apparently when my other friend had played it before they had gotten up there earlier and it was easier to finish out the scenario. So there was, it was kind of keeping track of how many turns we were taking and things like that. So it does change it up and it's that you've got the tiles and you're moving around, but you don't know what's coming up because the apps generating this for you. So it kind of takes that whole known element away from you. And so there's a little bit more ran, maybe not randomness to it, but surprise like you don't know what's going to happen next and how does that game compare to like betrayal of house on the hill because i thought they were very similar um betrayal it's weird it the they they do have a kind of a trader mechanic in this like you can go insane and you don't know what well, I, I mean con- more like condition they have on this is you're exploring the room bet- it it, yeah, like you, you turn over tiles. So, is it just a map, or do you lay out tiles? How do you lay out tiles if the app's telling you what to do? The app tells you, like, you have it pulls up the tiles for you, you lay out those tiles, and then it, you you lay out the tokens on there, and it tells you what you tell it what you're clicking on, and then it'll generate monsters, and you do it handles the monster damage and the attacks, and it does all the bookkeeping for you, okay, which is kind of nice, and it'll give you little snippets of things to read about like what happens or like that, and it plays music and has a narrator, so there's a little bit of like an atmospheric kind of thing to it, and it'll like I said like based on the pieces of evidence you have it may go off on a completely different way than a time you've played it before just based on because it you're telling it feeding it information about what you've found and things like that or it knows what you found because it's told you so you okay. tells you to grab those cards and things like that i'd definitely be interested in getting that to the table then yeah all right what's one more um another one is dice throne i picked up season one after it was on the kickstarter this one is a Yahtzee-esque style game. Um, think kind of like Magic the Gathering, but Yahtzee style. Like you pick a character, they're all complete, play completely differently, and you roll to activate abilities on your character card, and you're dealing damage, and it's usually played as a one versus one. There are multiplayer rules, but it gets a little kind of wonky. Um, in the base set, there's a monk, a pyromancer, a paladin, a th- shadow thief, a berserker and a moon elf not sure why that one chose to be the, the race class but <laughs> it's always but it's it's pretty light but it's it's a fun little sort of game um nothing real in depth but it's a nice little dice chucker and everybody knows yahtzee rules so sometimes the simplicity of the game is one of its pluses to me so absolutely um so I, i'm bringing both Betrayal at House on the Hill and Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Um, I've only played them a few times, but I, I do think they're fun. Uh, but the game I'm, I'm kind of hoping we can get to the table is I bought that, um, the thing at Outpost 31, which is the unlicensed The Thing board game. <laughs> I love the movie The Thing, the Kurt Russell 1980-ish movie. Absolutely one of my favorite movies. It, it very much has inspired the types of stories I like, the games I run. 
Like there's there's definitely elements of the thing in almost every D and D game I run. So I'm kind of excited to play. I've heard it's it's okay. It's like an eight out of ten, seven point five out of ten. It's not great, but um, it's a game where like eight people can play. Uh, you have the potential because no one has to be the thing, but everyone's going to think someone's the thing. Like that's the way the game works. Is it, it you're supposed to figure out who is the thing, but none of you may be the thing, uh, and the person who's playing the thing is going to try to get you to think it's someone else, so that you kill them, and then it gets to get away on the helicopter and everyone loses type of a thing so yeah um i'm, I'm hoping that's when we can get to the, get to the table yeah um that that does sound interesting it sounds kind of uh, a little bit like dead of winter to me uh, with it, that sort of like hidden betrayer sort mm-hmm. of thing um another one i i'm waffling on bringing this or not it's super it's not the easiest game to play uh teach but it's um interesting it's called millennium blades and the the uh thing here is it's it's a game it's a board game about a collectible card game so like you play a person in this universe where there's this collectible card game called millennium blades and you're at release night for this game (laughs) and it's very very meta-esque it's got they literally have a hand heavy handedly just reference references galore anime video games things of that nature they literally give you stacks of cash that you have to band together so it's like you're flopping down fat stacks of cash, fat stacks of um, cash. the first it's split into two major parts of the game the first time is kind of like a real-time element thing which kind of throws people because um you're buying and selling cards like you can put cards on the aftermarket so it's in there's there's a set um like meta for the round so it's like oh well these cards are super these cards are worth more more powerful now because that's the meta Mm -hmm. this time around or uh these cards aren't worth as much so like to give you an example like um they'll have boosters and promo cards and things of that nature like this one's like pirates themed they have a final fantasy 7 um theme one they have a mega man themed one um mario brothers things of that nature it's very heavy-handed and then you're buying and selling all these cards and they they're worth victory points but you also do play in the second round a turn-based version of the game and this is where i kind of felt like the game faltered a little bit i the beginning part is so heavy it's like it kind of i guess at some point has to let up a little bit and you choose your cards from your hand to put them down in sort of this like tableau and you go left to right and you can knock people's cards out to keep them from scoring points and it's all right but after like the how intense the first half is it sort of just feels like it kind of limps to the finish line so to speak um just really intense setup there's a they they stuff this box full of cards there this is just like half of them like there's just so much in this box and it's it's kind of just the setup itself can be kind of overwhelming. So it's, I like the idea of playing it. I think more than I like setting it up and trying to teach it. One of one of these oh, things like, you have any idea how many more games I would play if someone came to my house and set up the game board and then took the game board apart for me. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you more. just, just set legendary up in a corner of your basement and just cover it with a tarp and never move it again. Yeah, um, which I do love Legendary, but that is the one thing I don't like. So that they came out with an app version, but it's not... Yeah, I know you were uh, scrambling for that for years. Yeah, well, it's it's not um, themed Marvel because they, they don't have the license, so it's a generic oh, yes. fantasy version. It's the exact same rules, it's the exact same cards, but rather than Captain America, it's some fictional hero, but the mechanics are exactly the same. But I still don't like it as much. Even though it's exactly the same, yeah. still doesn't quite catch me like um, like the actual MCU version is. But I do find I play it a lot at work just because it's it's still a fun game. I like the system, yeah. like the mechanics, so it's still something I, I play a lot. But still, again, I would I would throw a ridiculous amount of money at an actual Marvel licensed version of that <laughs> game, uh, which seems like it should be a no brainer. I don't know. I mean, I guess the license is expensive, but come on, man, just just make it happen. Make me happy. Yeah. Um, so a couple others. Oh yeah, uh, Five Minute Marvel. Speaking of Marvel, that's the one I'm bringing, um, which is a cooperative game. Um, I think it's by Turbo Spin is the company that makes those. It's based off of the Five Minute Dungeon. It's basically the Marvel license. So again, it can't be too expensive to get a license. They did it, uh, and you you pick a different character that you play, 
you're fighting against different MCU villains, Thanos being the toughest, and all the cards you have in your deck are color-coded, like a, a strength attack, a jump, a movement. Um, I think there's like a mental attack. Some of the cards are double, so two fists for two strength, or they'll combo, so like a, a movement and a microchip, whatever. And then as you're fighting bad guys, so, so like you take a number of cards and you stack on top of the bad guy, and you flip over the card, and to defeat it, you have to match the symbols. So like a minion may need one strength, one movement. And it's a real-time card game that you have a five-minute timer, and you have to throw down your cards and try to you know match the, the needed symbols. But because it's happening in real time, it's very easy for someone to overplay. Like someone throws down one card that beats them, but you're already throwing down your card. That So now you've wasted a card. You only have so many. So it's like a resource game that how fast do I play my card versus do I want to waste it if I play it and don't need to? So everybody's always talking to each other. Like, I got I got strength. I got strength. We need a shield. Who's got a shield? Um, and it's just in your anytime you play a card, you draw a card. So you're constantly in this motion. And in the Marvel version, the, the, the change up or the addition is that you have a separate deck that is specifically for your character that has additional powers. Usually it's just like super powerful cards that relate to like three strength or whatever. But they also have certain things like uh, defeat a minion for free, defeat the next boss for free, defeat or like someone else can draw three cards, whatever. And you can choose anytime you draw a card to draw from your main deck or from your side specialized more powerful okay. deck so you just you get to choose as you're going which one you're going to go through um so it's it's a i mean it literally takes like five minutes you set it up in two play it in five you put it back up in two so it's a quick game but it, i find it's a good like icebreaker like you you know it's first game table everybody's yelling and talking and kind of loosens everybody up and gets everyone ready to go for the more complex game so interesting you got anything else yeah the uh final one this was this is one I think the first Kickstarter came out around the same time as Gloomhaven. I kind of really lucked out. Like both of these games uh, really came through and hit on all wheels for me. This one, a lot different than Gloomhaven though, but equally overly produced. Just the component quality in this uh, this game is amazing. It's called uh, Seventh Continent. And it's, I don't know if you're, you're probably familiar with the old choose your own adventure style books from like the 80s 90s this is this game is meant to emulate that and so the base i got a couple little expansions with it i didn't do the second edition with um like two or three more expansions i really was thinking about it but you they've this is kind of cool like the box itself has three trays of in here that you can just pull out the cards and what you do is you pick an adventurer and it's based on it's definitely not like real world like there's some there i think one of the characters you can be is hp lovecraft and or um marie shelley i think you can and then you can get the frankenstein card and things of that nature but it's a survival like think uh i don't know if you played flame in the flood or one of those survival style uh, video games where you're just trying to stay alive so you and it's cooperative so you get here and you can choose the same person can keep taking a turn over and over and over again. Uh, there's benefits to staying together because then you can take group actions and, but you're going around and you're exploring the Island. So every card in here is like a map tile and you, they give you a, they didn't have to, but it's like a little magnifying glass and you can find hidden numbers on the cards. You can go around and do different things. It's really got this cool, like kind of mystery. You're trying to solve the mystery. Like you keep having this dream about this you went to this continent and you keep having this dream and you were cursed and you have to go back and break the curse that's why you're back here and you're trying to you got to actually solve a puzzle or else you just keep ending up going around in circles hmm. and it comes with i believe four or five curses i think i got in the base box and they all play completely differently it uses different areas like there's a desert themed region i think and a mountain themed region and it's just the it's so unique i've never played anything like it and i don't think there's even still anything out there like it so like you you place the cards down it tells you shows you how to place it down and you flip them over and things happen and you have to go do things like go hunting and stuff because your deck's thinning out and you have to get food and health back into your deck so you've got to 
kind of like manage your resources on top of like trying to solve this curse. So you're under a little bit of a time pressure and you can over hunt an area. So then there's not any resources left. Yeah. And, and they have a way to sort of um, save your game because you can just take, I think the main tile that you're all, you all move together and then you take that tile and the couple around it and it gives you a spot in the box to keep those separately. So then you can sort of reset and play, continue from where you were the last time. But there is, I guess that sort of aspect to it where it's like, if you've played and solved the curse once, like playing it again, obviously can't get lobotomize you right. from knowing what the answer is. But the, the fact is, I mean, how many again it's kind of like with gloomhaven how many people are going to get through all the content anyway right. so it's but the, the the quality of the content in the box is outstanding the game itself is not like anything else i've ever played um would really love to get a few more plays on this this weekend too but something so, just very unique so so I'm, I'm not bringing it because we've already played it and beat it but there actually is a choose your own adventure board game yes or yes card yes. game i guess called danger house which yeah i hope they come out with more because i i've had a really good time playing these games yeah. we played it at gen con where we learned about it were you there for that when we played it as a group i have i've not played it with you but i have played that before and i did enjoy it it's very it was very pretty like not not to say this is a bad thing but simplistic this is kind of like i guess that same idea but like on stairs steroids and oh, it's yeah. got that like kind of like uh survival aspect to it i think with this there's probably a little bit more replayability but i did enjoy the danger house thing it was something easy to get to the table i thought that was pretty interesting well we um, played it um we played it as a as a party game um yeah so there i think there were like eight of us and at some points people came in and out we played this at a catacon last year yeah at the vip event and yep. uh, we would just basically take turns going around the table, and every time you read the card, you had to read it in a voice. Mm-hmm. And anyone who knows me knows I have like two voices, uh, so it's very difficult. So I, I relied on my <laughs> terrible Southern "I to declare" a yeah. lot. But some other people's <laughs> table were actually really good at voices. So it was just fun. Everybody would, you know, we would read the card out loud. We'd all listen, and when you had a choice of an action, we would all vote, and the majority would rule, and we would decide where to go and what to do. Um, it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I really enjoyed playing through that game. I It, it comes in chapters, and I'd already yeah, played okay. chapter one and chapter two before. But again, it's Choose Your Own Adventure, so we went in different directions, and it was it was a different experience. Uh, but I kind of feel like we put should have stopped at, like, chapter four, but we kept going until we got all the way through it. And it was just a little longer than it needed to be. It still was a lot of fun, but it would have been more fun if we cut it in half and then played the other half later. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope they come out with more of those. I definitely will add more. Uh, if we if we do, I'm not taking it uh, because I've again I've already played it. Uh, but I played a couple of these unlock games, unlock games, yeah, which they're kind of like escape rooms in a box, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're pretty good. They're they're okay. Um, the the problem I run into is that when you do have a an issue, there's no way to correct it easily. Like there's one time where we thought we, I don't know, I don't know exactly how, but we messed up and didn't realize it. So we had a card that we shouldn't have had yet. The system doesn't know we messed up, so we're asking for hints, and it doesn't know that we have the card, so the hints don't make any sense. Um, so then it just becomes like, well, it's not really fun at this point, because like when you go to an escape room, which I love escape rooms. Yes, I've done a few, and, and I like And you say, more. hey, we need help. The person yeah. can tell you, hey, you didn't look behind that, or you know, the numbers are backwards, whatever. The hint yeah. makes sense to what you're doing. With this app, if you get off trail, there is no coming back. So you kind of have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, or start all the way over. But I mean, but again, they're fun. They're like 12 bucks each or something. Yeah. I was going to say, I know the price point is pretty low for those. So that kind of, that helps out a lot. And well, you know, it helps if you don't cheat Michael. So yeah, well, I don't <laughs> want to cheat, but yeah, I, 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 if, I, if you have to, you have to. So yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, I think that's pretty much all I'm taking. I know some other people are bringing games as well. Yeah. Um, Michael's bringing Elder's Horror, which is like his, he's his favorite game. So mm-hmm. that'll be there. Um, I am taking a couple RPGs just in case. I know, I know that I probably will run Scooby-Doo Dread. Uh, we had a couple people who requested specifically I run that for them. It's kind of my go-to convention game. I love yeah. it. I love that game anyway, so I'm happy to run it uh, for some people who haven't had a chance to play it before. But for the most part, this is going to be a board game event. We're leaving tomorrow around 12, hopefully be on the road by 1230. We'll be Michigan by 6, and pretty much it'll be playing a little bit of sleep yeah. and a little bit of food for three days. Yeah, I hope not to get sick like uh, 
some of those conventions. And, and real, real, real quick again, just because I think it would be up your alley, uh, a game that I'm not planning on bringing, but it's a deck builder again. Um, but the, the interesting thing here, it's um, called Mystic Veil. And what they oh. do here is, you start off with uh, hands of cards. The mechanic, or I guess, or gimmick that you would say here is that you build your cards by adding in these, you have these clear plastic things and you, you put them into the sleeve and you kind of build your cards that way by giving yourself additional actions on the card. And it's kind of got like a push your luck, luck mechanic to it. To uh, You can keep drawing cards and comboing, but if you get you could spoil i guess the I, the theme is that you're a druid trying to cleanse the lands but you have these things by on base you have um these spoil um icons here and you can essentially bust like if you think of like blackjack and but it's kind of got like a push your luck thing to it and they, they've got some interesting things that they do with the um clear plastic cards mm-hmm. and the idea behind this uh, from what i understand it's a kind of a proof of concept the guy that designed this actually designed this mechanic for a larger game um called edge of darkness in that this kind of card building mechanic is a one piece in a larger game so it was like oh hey if we can make do the proof of concept for this we'll put money into the larger game and i think it that one did kickstart and that one will be coming out but it's just kind of an interesting system not the greatest thing i've ever played but it's unique so okay well we have a couple people in chat um if anybody has any questions again it doesn't have to be board game related though that helps um can be for myself or nick hopefully both um but while we're waiting to see if there's any questions in chat uh just a quick reminder that tomorrow Right now, tomorrow, the Catacon Kickstarter will go live. I'm hoping to get this episode out on the actual feed Monday or Tuesday of next week. So if you're listening to the audio-only version, uh, the Kickstarter's already been live for three or four days. Um, if you can come to a Catacon, it's a great time. If you can't come but you're willing to even throw $1 our way, I'm happy to have it. Um, having a good first day is crucial for a Kickstarter. And while we have been successful every time before and so i should have full confidence that we'll be successful this time i'm the type of person that has anxiety and i'm worried that we are not going to fund this year and it's all going to come crashing down around me so i would love to have a good first day 50 percent first day is kind of standard for successful kickstarters we're a little bit different because we're we're not a product we're an event so it's not quite the same but still if we can get to 50 percent or more day one i will be a lot more comfortable and what i have done which will both be smart and stupid is i have designed it intentionally that i'm going to hit the button right about the time that we're leaving so i will not be able to interact or check the uh, kickstarter pretty much for five or six hours so i'm hoping by the time we get to michigan and i can log into my computer we're already funded I, I highly doubt it's going to be five or six hours so that you go without checking it. And I, well, I mean, I'll so have please, cell service. Please, please do fund on the first day so he doesn't have to have an anxiety attack uh, the, the second or third day that we're up there. So. And then the other thing I would mention is I am bringing a, a laptop and a camera, and I'm bringing a, a voice recorder. I'm going to try to do some uh, stream, uh, streaming probably because the internet's going to suck there. But I'm going to try to record some content from here, whether it's just a couple people talking, maybe a board game. If I run Scooby Doo Dread, we might try to record that. Um, and anything that we are able to record will be for our patrons only. So we have a we have a Patreon account set up. We have like 50, 60 people throw us a couple bucks every month, and uh, we pr- we put out exclusive content just for those people. Um, so w- if we get anything of usable from this event we're going to provide it to them so for as little as one dollar a month you can join our patreon and get access to a bunch of uh goodies like private episodes monthly online games um me reviewing bad games and badly at it so fun stuff all right well i didn't see any questions come in not a whole lot of people but thank you to shadzar and thank you very much to uh short man ian who's one of our regulars which i think shadzar has been around for a while too uh, appreciate you joining us and for those listening in the future thanks for listening there as well uh nick if people want to try to find you interact with you on twitter or otherwise where would they go that'd be at crispy 951 where i'm not very active but we'll am alive and we'll respond if provoked so but you should be vocal glitter like you yes that's really i know i know you're attached to crispy but vocal glitter is, is what you will always be known for me yeah yeah 
Awesome. And uh, of course, I'm at the RPG Academy pretty much anywhere and everywhere. If you search and find something, it's probably me. If you search and it's not me, let me know because that's a problem. So thank you. We'll do an awkward wave out and say goodbye to everyone. Bye-bye. We'll be on the road tomorrow. Bye all to three people. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.